0: Welcome to Mommy Ever After. Once upon a time in the land of Mom, my name is Rebecca Fox Star, and I am the creator and owner and writer of the blog called Mommy Ever After, which is soon to be a book, and also the name of an online community for women which I facilitate. But here I am dipping my toe into the world of podcasts first because I would love to be able to reach a broader audience of people, whether it's women, mothers, parents, or anyone else who is looking to erase the stigma of mental health issues. Second, to be completely honest, as I always like to keep it real, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. So I am personally obsessed with the serial podcasts. I will specify season one. Not only have I listened to that podcast many times over and over, but I also listen to podcasts about that podcast. In addition, I'm really a fan of Leah Tao's Strangers podcast, and my guilty pleasure is Straight Up with Stasi. And yes, that is Stasi Schroeder from Vanderpump Rules fame, but I really do love being able to hear people's voices because I feel like you can get a greater sense of their personality when you hear their voice. You get a sense of their tone, which is often hard to convey over just text. So now that I've dipped my toe in and introduced myself, let me kind of dive in. So as I said, my name is Rebecca Foxstar but you can call me Becca, and I am a writer, Blogger, dance partier, wife, and mom from the suburbs of Philadelphia. I have lived here my whole life almost, and I absolutely love the community that I've built both here in person and also online through my blog. I have two children. My daughter is almost seven years old, and my son is three and a half, and they are the reason why I do what I do, both directly and indirectly. The former is because I write about them almost every day. And if I'm not writing a blog post about them, I'm posting an Instagram picture or sending out a tweet about the goings-on of my family and my children and what motherhood really looks like. Because as I said, I'm all about authenticity and keeping it real. And the latter is because I want to be an advocate for all people, not just parents, but for any, anyone who is looking to feel less alone in their journey. So I hope that I can model what it means to be a strong woman and a strong human being for my children as they grow up. So let me just give you a little bit of background. As I said, I'm from the Philly area And the blog started out in 2010 when my daughter was two months old. She was born in April. And in June of 2010, I hit publish on my first ever blog post that was on www.mommyeverafter.wordpress.com. I had no idea what I was doing. I had just learned what a blog was the year before. And I decided, you know what, what do I have to lose? No one will see this if I don't want them to, I don't have to share it, but I feel so compelled to write honestly about that which other people don't seem to be sharing. And for me, being a new mom and in a position where most of my friends had not yet had children, I felt like there was nowhere for me to really turn. I felt as though motherhood for me, especially with my daughter, was a dream come true. It was enchanting. Everything from the beautiful nursery that I had made for her that had an enchanted garden theme. I had um, painstakingly hung birds from wire and hot glue gunned flowers onto this little overhang in her room to create an enchanted garden nook. And we would have tutus and dance parties every day. And it was really wonderful. But it was also hard and it could be lonely at times because I would spend all day at home with someone who could not communicate with me for the first six months of her life. And then after that, she started talking and she has not stopped ever since. But in all seriousness, motherhood was everything that I had dreamed about and more in terms of all of the wonderful things. But it also definitely... Gave me some anxiety and some fears and some loneliness. And so I decided to write honestly about that. Because at that time, I could only find one of two archetypes. And pardon me for generalizing here. I know that there are myriad blogs out there and books and things like that. But I think that blogs, at that time especially, would really fall into two categories. There was category one, which was. I'm the lovely, loving, perfect, enchanted, magical mom and my child is breastfeeding and it's easy to breastfeed so I'm going to breastfeed him forever while wearing him and when it's time for him to eat I'm going to feed him organic food that I've grown from my own garden and I'm going to puree it and then whittle a spoon out of a tree from my backyard and that's how I'm going to feed him and everything is perfect, la, 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 life is wonderful. Or the other archetype that was really popular was the snarky mom. So it was like, you know, motherhood's great, but I'm fueled on coffee. And then when it hits four o'clock, I'm fueled by wine and my kids are jerks. And I really have to say that in reading these things and in looking for an outlet or looking for camaraderie as a new mom, I couldn't relate entirely to either of them. There were aspects of the enchanted mom, you know, the first one that I mentioned that really hit home with me. And then there were aspects of the snarky mom that resonated in that it is difficult being a parent, but I was a combination of both. I loved to be able to twirl around in tutus and feed my daughter to the best food. But oftentimes when I would puree special organic vegetables for her she wouldn't touch it and what she would only eat was the jarred baby food and that's when the mommy guilt starts but before i get ahead of myself um let me just say that it has been an honor writing this blog for the past seven years because as i have grown as a person and as a parent and as my child and then children have grown so has the blog so i blogged about my daughter and our lives together And I also would reference back to my pregnancy with her for several years. Um, During my pregnancy with her I definitely had some prenatal anxiety but at a level that just kept me vigilant about my pregnancy. I think that's a good way to say it. So all of the restrictions and rules and the guidelines that the OBs provide to you I made sure to follow to the letter. So I did not eat deli meat, I did not eat sushi, I did not have a sip of alcohol, I would not take any medicine, including Tylenol, just because I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right. And I say right in quotations, you can't see me making quotations, but I wanted to try to do the best for my baby and this bred some anxiety in me because it was really a lot of pressure so i made so many ridiculous phone calls to the ob um i remember one day i had done a lot of google searching and i couldn't find the right answer so i actually had to call the ob's office and i asked the nurse the following question i asked is the baby going to be scared of the sound of the blow dryer from inside my belly Because as I was blow drying my hair that morning, I got nervous that I was scaring the baby. And I had a lot of other similar questions like that, you know. I drank uh, tea that was expired and freaked out about it, once was accidentally served tonic water instead of club soda, and thought that my baby was gonna have quinine poisoning after that one tiny sip. And in general, just wanted to make sure that I was doing everything that was perfect which again, just bred a lot of pressure in me. So that said, I still had a pretty normal pregnancy. The birth didn't go as expected. I wrote all about it. I went from training for natural childbirth, never got an epidural, was in labor for three days, and ended up with an unexpected C-section at the 11th hour. And my birth story is on my blog, and I'll share that at a later time. But it was a very eventful, very exciting birth experience, I will say. Um, So much so that when I decided to publish it about six months after her birth, I published it in a serialized format. So I maybe gave it and wrote it in five parts. And after writing the first or second or third part, my best friend text messaged me and said, can you please put up the next part? Can you please share? I'm dying to hear And I had to remind her that she knew the story. So I guess it was that exciting because it was unexpected and unpredictable. Um, And then my daughter was born. We had this magical time together, as I've already shared. And when she was close to turning three, we decided to go for our second child. And with him, it was a one-shot deal. I became pregnant right away. And that was in the very beginning of 2013. And when I found out I was pregnant initially, I was elated. I was very excited. But from the moment that I found out that I was pregnant, I had a creeping, sneaking, insidious kind of sense of fear that was very hard for me to shake. And I will tell much more of my story about that. But I just want to say that when I did ultimately have my son, I loved him from the moment that I had him, they held him up. I was on the OR table and they showed me this baby who was seven pounds, 12 ounces, the exact birth weight of my daughter, which is very interesting. I think my uterus has a a specific eviction notice saying, you know, a baby reaches seven pounds, 12 ounces and you are out despite the fact that neither of my children engaged in my pelvis at all, which is a lot of information for our first podcast, but that's just how I do it. And they showed me my baby. I put my cheek up against his, despite being kind of incapacitated and open on the operating table. And I sang to him and tears welled up in my eyes. And I thought, you know, we're going to be okay. This is going to be okay. And about 10 days later, I got a text message from my husband And I will never forget that he said, I just wanna have a reality check with you. Are you okay? Because I see the light starting to go out in your eyes. And I cried when I saw that text message. I cried because I felt very loved by my husband, but I cried also because he was right and something didn't feel right. And that was the beginning of my postpartum depression journey. So he was born, my son was born October 24th, 2013, and it was a very hard winter for us. And in February of 2014, I came out with a blog post because I was still writing at that time called The Hardest Post I've Ever Written, during which I described the fact and kind of came out with the fact that I was suffering. And I was suffering from postpartum depression and that I had suffered from some prenatal anxiety and depression. And with that, my blog exploded. So by that, I mean I had been writing this blog that had gained some popularity and I was able to do some events and have some advertising with it and it was exciting for me to be able to share. But once I opened up about this very vulnerable topic and one about which so many people I've later learned can relate... I started to develop a greater following and people started to open up to me and come to me and I was writing more often and more candidly and in a more raw manner. And the blog has since grown and grown. It went from being a dot .wordpress.com site to just com, with the online community that I mentioned before. And now I'm very, very humbled, but very also very proud to say that Mommy Ever After is read in all 50 states and in over 150 countries across the world. And there's a debate about how many countries there actually are across the world, so I don't have the exact statistic for you because some people consider some countries um, to be separate and some consider them to be the same country but i'll say that it's almost 80 percent of the world and that's a staggering statistic for me because i'm just this one woman from the suburbs of philly with two kids who is a sufferer and i don't identify primarily as a sufferer i identify as a mom and a wife and a singer songwriter and a dance partier i've probably said dance party several times but it really is a big part of our life And someone who likes to wear studded rock and roll boots, but also, you know, tuck my kids in bed at night and sing lullabies to them. And at the same time, I also suffer from what is now some sort of post-postpartum depression and anxiety. I think three and a half years after the birth of my son, I can no longer really call it postpartum depression, but I haven't totally rebounded, and I'm still dealing with some of the aftermath of the postpartum and the difficulties, and my main goal is to help others so that they do not feel alone like I did. I felt so ashamed, so embarrassed, so guilty, and the guilt is really the primary thing that I focus on because I think that, as I said before, postpartum is, and and prenatal really, prenatal distress too, there are such insidious diseases because first, they're not things that you can see on the outside and I am incredibly, incredibly compassionate about and respectful about diseases that are, you know, medical diseases, uh, People who are very, very close to me have had or have diseases like cancer, Parkinson's disease, you know, neurological problems. And so when I compare mental health issues to those diseases, I feel like I can do so with a lot of sensitivity because I'm very, very close to those as well. But with mental health issues like anxiety or depression or PTSD, which happened to be my diagnoses. I feel as though it's difficult because besides some of the symptoms that they cause, you can't see them on the outside. And most people don't walk around with bracelets that are easily identifiable to say, oh, that person's supporting, you know, breast cancer. And once again, let me emphasize something. I I really do write and will now speak with a lot of sensitivity because when I use breast cancer, for example, as my uh, example here, I realize that I'm talking about something that's also an epidemic and is very close to home, but it's very close to home to me. And I have people in my life with whom I'm very close who have suffered from this and survived and some who have not. So I do not say this with any lack of gravity or understanding about the absolute enormity of these diseases. But the survival rate of what I have is not so good either. And so I really want to bring that to the forefront because I want to personally be better and be stronger for myself and for my children, but I also want my readers, my listeners, anyone who reads one blog post, one post on the support group site, ends up buying my book or is connected to me in any way to feel a little less alone. And what's been really amazing to me throughout this process is I expected my readership to be primarily, you know, moms, either pregnant women or new moms or people who could really relate to me on a day-to-day level, you know, cleaning up dishes with kids and then one of the kids dumps a bowl of cereal over his head when you think, you know, you're ready to walk out the door and the day-to-day in and out of being a mom. But what's been really incredible for me is the fact that I've been approached by people from all across the country and really the world who I never would have thought would be interested in what I'm writing, but we have the same undercurrent of struggle or of suffering or of the fear of stigma. So for example, when I got an email thanking me from a prominent lawyer in a big city and I should say, just as a side note here, confidentiality is of the utmost importance to me. So when someone shares something with me, no matter how innocuous or benign, I do not share it with anyone else. And that's been part of my value system as a human being, but also now in my role as an advocate. So I didn't give you any information except for the fact that this person was an attorney and I'm not going to say the age group or the city. But this person was in, the, um, in a program, an organized program, suffering from an addiction and felt so stigmatized because this person was a good person, did not ask for an addiction, did not ask to be you know, part of this class of people who can be looked down upon and was really nervous about coming out at work or what people would think but felt some sort of resonance from what I was writing because I was talking about the others and I am an other, even though by looking at me, you might not be able to tell because I can sometimes look like I have it all together. Uh, frankly, this morning, I drove my daughter to school in a frantic rush, praying that I would not have to walk her into school late because I was wearing my bathrobe and a high ponytail. and tie- dyed sweatpants from the kids store, but I do from the outside tend to appear like I have at least some of my stuff together. but that is also one of the really difficult parts of being a sufferer for mental health issues because you can look for a um, lack of a better word normal, so statistically normal um, and still, have issues that plague you and intrusive thoughts and difficulties coping. So you may see me at the grocery store and I wave to you with a smile and yet you don't know that it took me so much self-coaching and so much energy to get to that grocery store and that I walked through the aisles with so much anxiety because I try to really, you know, buck up and get there. And that is what is so important for me to share. I don't just go there with a smile and pretend that everything's okay. When I see you and this has happened, I will say, do you see me? Like, look, I'm holding a whole cart of groceries. This is amazing, I did it. Because I always like to be completely authentic about just how hard everyday life can be for somebody who's suffering from something like what I am. And so my mission is to educate, to advocate, and to make everyone that I speak to feel like they have a friend in me and a confidant in me. So the purpose of this podcast, as I am working on finishing up the last stages of my book, which should be published in the very, very beginning of 2018. And I do feel incredibly fortunate to have gotten a book deal and I'll share a little bit more about my book later, but as I work on that, and as I continue to write my blog and post on Instagram. I also thought it would be nice to be able to hear my voice and hear my sincerity when saying, you are not alone, I want to help you, I feel like I can help you, maybe not in the way that a mental health professional can, and I, do never, I never ever want to pose as someone who is a physician or as a psychologist or a therapist or somebody who can, who's trained in that way but I can help you by being a non-judgmental ear or someone uh, to whom you can send an email. My email address is Rebecca at mommyeverafter.com and I get messages every single day. And these messages are always positive and supportive and they start out by thanking me and saying, you've just articulated something that was like taking the words right out of my head or right out of my mouth and i 'm here to say no, thank you. Thank you for reading my words. Thank you for taking the time to trust in me, and thank you for trusting me with your story because I cherish it and I will hold it close to my heart, but I will keep it there i 'm not going to share it anywhere And On this podcast, my goal and my plan is to be able to share my own story and share my evolution and my journey towards wellness because I know that i 'm going to get well and 'm going to get physically and emotionally stronger but also to be someone who can share other people's stories. Because as I shared before, I have my certain diagnoses and I try not to define myself by these diagnoses, but they exist. But I'm connected to people that have completely different diagnoses, yet they suffer in a similar way that I do. And so I just used this example yesterday, but I think that it's really a great way to describe it, which is it's almost like we're all ice cream. We're just different flavors. It's like we all are the same type of food, but we're just different flavors. And so I may have a couple different flavors in my little bowl that mix up to make me and Becca and somebody else may be a different flavor, but we're still ice cream and we're still the same. And we can relate on a very, very deep human level. And I also am very connected to some mental health professionals, some members of the OBGYN community and also other physicians who can give actionable advice that I don't feel really um, able to give with authority. I can tell you what I know, but I will always preface it by saying, you know, I'm not a doctor and other people who are able to contribute to make your lives better because that's my goal is to make your life a little better. So if hearing something from me makes you laugh or gives you permission to take care of yourself or allows you to say, you know what, I'm going to take 20 minutes and just sit in the car and listen to my favorite music for just before pickup and I'm not going to do that extra errand and I'm not going to do the dishwasher and fold the laundry and I'm going to take this moment just to breathe and take care of myself, then I have won. I, Becca, have done what I've set out to do, which is to encourage you to take care of you because we all need that. And so I hope that you continue on this journey with me. You can check out the blog and find out so, so, so much more. It can be found, again, at www.mommieeverafter.com, and you can reach out to me via Instagram at mommieeverafter. Um, I will be honest, I'm not very active on Twitter, but it is also at Mommy Ever After. I primarily just retweet stories about either Bravo celebrities or of articles that my sister, who's a journalist, has written. But you can reach me at any of these places, direct message me, email me at the address that I gave before, reach me through the blog, and now you have this vehicle as well because I'm here for you and I call it the land of mom, but it's really the land for anybody who wants a better tomorrow. So thanks so much and I so look forward to more time together and have a wonderful day.